All right, folks, today we have Jim Petrucci. He's the president and founder of JG Petrucci Company, based out of Asbury, New Jersey, my neck of the woods where I grew up. How you doing, Jim? Good. Good morning. Good morning. I'm out on the West Coast right now, which is, it's, yeah, it's, it's the morning. It's nine o'clock. Oh, wait. And today, Mike, we, Mike, Jim, and I have the same birthday, which is June 1st. Yeah. Happy birthday, Jim. <laughs> 58, I'll be four, I'm 45 on June 1st, so. Well, we'll see. Birthday, boy. My daughter is, my oldest, is very, very pregnant, and uh, looks like she's not going to last to June 1st. I thought that would have been pretty good. My second grandson is on the way. Congratulations. You're too young to have a grandson. What do they call you, Grandpa Jim or Papa Jim? What's What's the name of choice? Big Tony. Big Tony. <laughs> really? <laughs> All right. Well, Big Tony. Um, so JG Petrucci Company, the you're the founder of it, president. Yeah. Um, can you just explain what you guys do? Give us an over- overview of, your, of, your, of the company you founded. Yeah, we are uh, developers uh, focusing on multifamily and industrial uh, and also design build general contractors. So we... Uh, we do all our own work, of course, but we do a lot of third-party work um, uh, with a subsidiary company called Iron Hill Construction based out of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Uh, we do a lot of work for, for users and a lot of work for other developers as well. Gotcha. And you started the company in 1987? September of 80, graduated college in June of 86. Um, was at the Alfieri Company, which has made the yeah. news recently for <laughs> various things. Uh, got, you know, took the full measure of that situation for about 16 months and then, uh, and went out of my own. And why, like, how did that happen? Where did that come from? Like, did you have a background in real estate? Did your family do that? Like kind of where did that interest come from? No, no. My, my mother had sold residential real estate, but, um, uh, I was, you know, coming, I, I went to Princeton, coming out of Princeton, I was uh, directed towards wall street. I had a couple job offers and I, I, I was saying I wanted to do real estate on Wall Street. Uh, ended up taking a left turn, and uh, I went with the Alfieri Company, and um, you know, just kind of surveyed the landscape. I, I you know, didn't know what I didn't know, uh, but I had seventy five hundred bucks saved up from a business I ran in college, and uh, you know, just kind of went for it. So uh, I, I was a one man, you know, truly a one man band until uh, nineteen ninety. Five when uh, Greg Rogerson, who's my partner uh, to this day, joined. Um, you know, so it was a it was a very slow, methodical process. And when you started out, were you doing just GC work? Were you doing uh, investments? No, I, like, what was your? Would you had to start out? I started. Uh, you know, I was I was a developer with no projects and no money. Uh, <laughs> Seventy five hundred bucks. I, I heard my war chest. Um, Pre-inflation, that's a lot of duff. Yeah, I, I connected with a gentleman by the name of Ray Bowers, who uh, was a Princeton resident. He was a Penn State grad. He was a, an architect by, by degree, but he was a builder by trade. His father had started a building company in 1901. He was uh, 77 at the time, wanted to see me get a start, uh, gave me a couple of consulting assignments, and uh, then said, all right, let's, let's go build the building. Uh, I brought him a site in uh, at, at Exit 8A, which I had worked on. Um, 
at Walla Alta Fury, you know, that, that marketplace, I understood it pretty well. And he said, you know, this is great. When can we start construction? I said, I don't know, 16 or 18 months. And he said, Jim, I'm 77 years old. I don't buy green bananas. Go find me a building site. And uh, as it so happened, I had been in touch with uh, some economic development people in the Lehigh Valley. Um, they had a, uh, uh, they still have a, a great organization called Lehigh Valley Industrial Park where they mm-hmm. uh, buy land and develop it and sell off retail lots. And um, maybe two days later, they reached out to me about a new park and you know, one thing led to another. So uh you know, my first building uh, we finished in uh, in 1989, just in time for uh, you know a serious, serious down market, which lasted really until '95. But we got that building set vacant for a long time, got it leased, and um, the design build side really started because uh, we had a, had a German company that was a prospective tenant of that building. And just on a courtesy call, they called me after an inspection and said, now we're going to build our own building. I said, well, we'd love to do that for you. And they said, we didn't know you did that. And I said, oh, yeah, we, we did that. Um, and, of course, I had Ray's resume you know, next to me. He had been building since the 50s, uh, so it was pretty impressive. Uh, and I ended up flying to Germany and securing the deal and you know, kind of away we went. So that, those early years, 90, 91, 92, we were, we were doing pretty, you know, in, in a miserable market, we were doing some really nice design build, general contracting work, and, um, you know, things just kind of went from there. Why did you not take the uh, Wall Street route? You just had no interest to you? Like, what, what, where, uh, where did... No, I had serious interest. I had, I had uh, you know, it was these... Crazy interviews, you know, ten interviews in a day, fifteen interviews in a, you know, over a weekend kind of thing. Um, you know, in my heart of hearts, I knew I did not really fit in. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I got the, the firm uh, is no longer around. First Boston, I don't know, you might remember First Boston, but they offered me an analyst job, which was funny. I probably had fifteen interviews, but nobody had ever asked me if I turned on a computer. I'd never turn on a computer. <laughs> I had I had somebody else type my senior thesis. I did, handed in all my papers in college, handwritten. Yeah. And uh, you know, to this day, I'm technology illiterate. I'm I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> Math does does not work for me. And so, from a you know, but from a lifestyle standpoint, um, you know, I was married right out of school. Uh, the one regret we have is that we didn't live in New York City for a little while before we had kids, but. Um, you know, we didn't want to live in the city. I didn't want to commute. And, you know, the, when, I, when I was exposed to kind of boots on the ground real estate, I, I really took to it. I really liked it. You're more of, awesome. an, you're more of an entrepreneur? You know, I, that word gets thrown around a lot. I, I don't know about that. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're 100 people now. So there's, you know, it's, it's, it's not just, about, you know, once upon a time, it was all about me. Now it's all about, you know, great team of people um so I, I don't know what the label is <laughs> well you took a, i mean you took a, a chance <clears throat> i mean it's, the wall street gig is a little you know it's secure right you gotta get you know what you're kind of getting into as opposed to you know yeah. working real estate was not as uh i mean i guess yeah what's the biggest difference now like in real estate landscape as far mm-hmm. as you know where we're mike and i do executive search that's our main gig like what? What have you found as far as talent wise, from back when you started till now? Like how has it changed? 
Well, the, the business has changed so dramatically. You know, when I started, and, and industrial is really what I know the best and, and what I cut my teeth on. It was really a mom and pop business. Um, and I remember in the uh, mid 90s when the REITs started, uh, you know, really raising some money, they were all, you know, recapping. And um, uh, another, another mentor of mine, a guy by the name of Bob Stanger, uh, I asked him a question. I said, you know, with all these companies raising all this money, is there going to be any place for somebody like me? And uh, his answer was, Jimmy, you hope these guys get as big as they possibly can, as fast as they possibly can, because the stuff that falls through their fingers will feed you for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, and it really did prove out to be uh, true that there, there still is a place for, for companies. Now, I'm not a one-man shop anymore, but... Um, but that you know the the institutional institutionalization of um, of real estate has you know accelerated and and it's you know on the industrial side it's really gone crazy over the past few years uh, you know the amount of capital that's pouring into industrial is unprecedented um, so the you know the nature of the business has changed whereas once upon a time you had Call them mom and pops looking to build equity in properties. Uh, now you have a lot of institutional money uh, that is is you know not interested necessarily in building equity. They're certainly interested in, in uh, growing assets and uh, and counting on appreciation. But you know, a lot of the developers out there are really in the fee business, not in the in the equity business. Gotcha. And so you started as industrial, but now you've you've you work in most asset classes, it looks like, right? You're all tie. Well, we, 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 we build anything. We've done, we, you know, we built hospitals. We've done all kinds of retail and all kinds of, of manufacturing. But on the development side, most of our time is spent with uh, industrial, you know, say between buildings between 50,000 and 250. Uh, we just finished a million square foot building. We've done, we've done bigger, five and six hundreds, but. You know, generally, the smaller buildings are a sweet spot, and um, we have about two thousand multifamily units up, and uh, a number of projects underway. One under construction in East Orange, which we like a lot. Uh, but otherwise, we're we're somewhat of a jack of all trades. Is that industrial stuff, and in, mostly in Jersey? Or are you doing it in PA as well? Mostly ground up type stuff. Mostly, well, in our portfolio, we have a fair amount of buildings that we bought, but it does lean uh, more to uh, to the Pennsylvania side of the river. Got yeah. it. And is your labor union or non-union? What have you found? Uh, I guess historically, have you always done it the same way? Or no, we we you know we'll do whatever. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we're a truly open shop. We have uh, we've done projects that are completely you know 100 prevailing wage and, and therefore union. Uh, we've done non-union work. Uh, more often than not, we're mixing the two and, uh, you know, we're just looking for good people that are going to be responsive and, and you know, stand behind their work. How have you found the market in Jersey and Lehigh Valley recently? Is, is it getting like more competitive over there? I mean, since 78 opened up, uh, my, I mean, my dad went to Lehigh and my, you know, my, my mom grew up in Easton. So, um, I'm very familiar with that area. Is it? Has it, has it boomed since, you know, the last well, it, 15 years? Yeah, well, when I got there in 1988, uh, 
you know, if you if I told people in New Jersey that I was building in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, it was like the other side of the world. <laughs> the Lehigh Valley was in no way, shape, or form part of the New York metropolitan area. Now it is fully, fully part of the New York metropolitan area. When people from Jersey come to look, when companies look to relocate, the Lehigh Valley is not their furthest western stop. You know, they keep going to York and Reading and whatever else. Um, you know, overall, industrial is, is just just going crazy over the past few years. Um, land pricing has gone crazy. Pricing on construction vertical has gone crazy. Uh, and, and, you know, fortunately, rents have as well. Uh, the Lehigh Valley 15 years ago was a 450 market. Uh, it was a 450 market as long as I had been around. And, and now we're making proposals, you know, at uh, 9 and $10 a square foot for industrial space, which is... You know, nothing that I could have ever contemplated. What has been like the, I mean, you've grown your company, you know, you said for a long time it was, it was really just you. And then now it's, you said you have around a hundred people or so. Like what has been the biggest hurdles in, in growing the company? As well, far as like, yeah. and, and lessons you learned. Yeah. In, in, in context, it was what, I guess eight years that I was, it was just me, but we're, we're now, I've been at it 35 years. So we, we've been, we've been around for a while. Um, you know what, uh, you know, we, we, we go through the stress of down markets. We've, we've done very, very well in down markets. 08 to 12 were some of our best years. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, the, I guess the, the projects themselves are probably the biggest challenge. We, we've really been blessed with, with a great group of people. Uh, we have very little turnover, a lot of long-term employees. And, uh, you know, the people here, you know, we, we, we invest in the culture and they invest in the culture. Um, so that, that has not, you know, personnel has, has really never been a problem for us. I think we, we attract like-minded people. Uh, but you know, the business is, is not easy, you know, on the development side, you know, steady diet of it is, is, uh, is not easy <laughs> to, to digest. It's, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of delays, a lot of, uh, you know, kind of, you know, just head scratching decisions and, you know, you just have to push forward. With all this recession talk, I guess it's a good question to ask is, is the industrial asset type truly recession proof? Seems like, you know, through this volatility and turbulence, that asset type is kind of gaining steam. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on on that. Well, you know, and I'm, I'm no macro guy, but uh, I would say nothing is recession proof. Uh, you know, if you're in the business for, you know, 10 or 15 years, you've never seen empty buildings. I've lived with them. You know, I've sat with empty buildings. I've taken losses mm-hmm. on, uh, over the years. Uh, you know, it doesn't always work out. Um, you know, it does seem to be a, um, you know, we, we have gone through a very, a very fast paced shift in uh, the way goods are, are delivered and, um, the pandemic really did put it on steroids. Uh, I will say that, you know, sitting here today, the tenant demand continues to be really, really strong and, um, awesome. you know, but I, but I question what happens when. For example, you know, whether it's, um, you know, you look at a company like Peloton, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, recently took 750,000 feet and, and their stock fell out of bed. And, you know, really what happens post-pandemic with them, 
you know, do they start giving back space? You know, you're going to have logistics companies that have cropped up. Uh, we have a lot of, in New Jersey, a lot of foreign logistics companies that, you know, had no credit, but were willing to post or able to post a, a year's uh, letter of credit as security and, and what happens when they go bad. Um, so there's, there's nothing without risk. Um, you know, the, what we are constantly talking about here is, uh, you know, and it's the same thing on the residential side. You know, it's a great site. Oh, this is a great site. Well, okay, it's a great site today because everything is a great site. Which of the sites that are going to be great when it's when it's not all smooth sailing? And uh, you know, so that's that's what we talk about literally every day here. I'm sure Peloton's on the phone with Amazon asking them if they need more more space. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, look, you know, the, the, there's. It certainly raised some eyebrows when uh, Amazon said, "What they're getting back ten million feet of space." And, yeah, right. You know that. You know, and part of part of this whole this whole cycle has been the psychology, right? Of you know, everybody's go 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 go, and, and if there's sure. a deep breath taken, then you know, what does it all look like? But again, you know, well located properties will always lease. Uh, you might not get the rent you want, but um, you know, I think there's there's still some uh, juice left in this market. You know, certainly in this part of the world. How did uh, the pandemic shape your business or, or affect your business more? And so, in regards to like people working, like yeah. you know, we adjusted really well. Uh, we we shut down earlier than most. Uh, we we tried to be ahead of the curve, you know, when, when people were saying they were going to shut down to Memorial Day and then, then decide we were saying we're going to be shut down to Labor Day. And, you know, we, we, we tried to give people as much stability, as much certainty as we could in, in an uncertain time. And, and I, I thought, you know, I was super proud of the way everybody responded. I mean, we, we really came together nicely uh, and, and, you know, worked Work very hard because you know our you know our, our multifamily business is of course management intensive and um, you know we did much better there than than you know the early you know the early uh, question marks around you know what the pandemic was going to do to multifamily were, were certainly concerning uh, but we came through very nicely and uh, you know our tenant roster. Yeah, they folks really did fine. I mean, we, we did some rent deferrals, uh, you know, with the smaller companies. Uh, some of the big monster companies came to us asking for rent deferrals, and we said, you know, we're saving that powder for the guys that really need it. Um, and uh, you know, we we I don't want to say we came through unscathed, but I was very pleased, and I think we came out better as a company, communicating better, uh, you know. Some time away reminded us why we all like each other, uh, which is, I think, healthy in any relationship. And, uh, you know, we, we, we did well. And, and again, you know, the industrial market just, just went, went crazy during this period of time. And, and we fortunately had some projects that were really timed well uh, for what had transpired. We do, now we, do a lot, we do a lot of food work. So okay. when everything was shut down, we were declared essential Oh, nice. we, had yeah. we, had, we had an affordable housing job in Plainfield that we were building. We were building a, a, a cup container facility in Branchburg. We had a tofu plant. 
uh, an Asian dumpling plant, uh, a fake crab meat plant. So all these, you know, we just kind of hit everything. You know, all the essential projects were were hitting. So we we never we never miss a day's work. I mean, you're super diversified, which is yes, yeah. Both both in terms of uh, product lines and uh, you know, for a small firm, geography wise, we uh, you know. Diversity has been something that uh, has been a hallmark for us. What's the what? coolest location you've ever built in? Any like obscure location, like Idaho or something? <laughs> Montana? Uh, no, uh, years ago. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, you know, we we did we've done some remote projects. Uh, one was in uh, Fort Devens, Massachusetts. We did a built to suit for North American van lines there. Uh, that was a pretty interesting, you know, project. We were we were finding pieces of jeeps. You know, this is an old army base. Pieces of jeeps down thirty feet. I mean, it was. Oh wow! Big. But probably, you know, I we built a um, a really interesting manufacturing plant for a company called the SNS X-Ray. They they're, they make mammography equipment. Uh, it's family-owned business, and uh, they were going to consolidate several locations in the Lehigh Valley. And then the founder uh, died. He was in his 80s. He died on a racquetball court. And uh, Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we didn't hear anything from him for a while. And then uh, the son called and said, uh, you know, we're ready to go. And uh, we decided we're going to consolidate in Texas. And I said, oh, you know, congratulations, you know, good luck. And he said, no, 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 we like you. We trust you. Go find us property and go do your thing down there. So we did. We, we hired Cushion and Wakefield um, to find uh, find a site. We brought him down. We gave him you know three or four options. He picked you know our number one recommendation, and, and we uh, we did about a hundred eighty thousand foot uh, plant for him. Uh, but the fun part, you know, and, and it's relative to the way things are around here. I, early in the game, I called the building department. I said, "Look, you know, could you afford your?" certificate of occupancy checklist uh, for me because, you know, we're from out of the area and we want to stay up with these things. And the building inspector said, well, you know, sorry, son, we don't have one of those. And I said, you know, I understand, but maybe as we're, as we're going along construction, if you could just jot down some things that you're going to want to see, submittals from us for the CFOs. No, I'm, I'm sorry, son, we, we just don't have one of those. I said, you don't have a CO? He said, no, sir. I said, well, how are you going to know when we're finished? <laughs> said, that, that's easy. That's when the moving trucks pull up. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the idea of building, you know, without zoning, you know, I think we had, you know, we got a sprinkler permit and electrical permit and, and that was it. When we were finished, we moved in. Uh, so awesome. that was, that was kind of interesting, but uh, you know, every, every project is uh, unique, whether they're big or small and, uh, and fun in their own right with their own challenges. Now there's probably some young young bucks on this listening to this podcast who are like, man, I want to be like Jim Petrucci. Like, what what does it take to be? Uh, what are the what's the skill set? I mean, there's no. I'll backtrack. So I, I grew up in a family. My grandfather was a developer. My uncle's a developer, and I was like, my grandfather was a little Sicilian guy. Probably you know graduated high school, but you know was in the army in World War II. And then my uncle was a, uh, you know ambulance chaser lawyer who became a, a developer. So I was like, I I was like. I don't know what, what is it? What's the path to become a developer? Like I, what's the skill set? What's the path? Like, do you, there was nothing, at least when I got into the workforce that was kind of outlining it. And I was, 
trying to figure that out. Like, what are what is the skill set to be a good developer? Well, you know, people come to the business in a variety of ways. I, you know, kind of general personality trait. Um, you know, the one thing that has has always amused me is that you know this is a business that is really a long, grinded out, very unglamorous business, and for some reason it attracts fast buck kind of guys, you know, they're all trying to you know, do something overnight. And, uh, you know, that just never seems to work out too well. You know, the cycles come to you, even though we haven't had a, a real cycle in a while, um, seems to wipe those guys out. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I, I think having a long-term perspective, uh, you know, if you're, if you're in the real estate business, but not necessarily a developer, uh, whether it's, it's brokerage or property management or construction or whatever, I'd say the most important thing for young people is to really master their trade and and, and, and earn money as you go, uh, and then branch out into into development. Um, you know, brokerage is is you know kind of the traditional way, uh, but you know, construction is a is a great profession. You know, if you're just getting started, um, you know, things are always going to need to get built. Things are always going to need to get knocked down. Um, you know, we say here that. If everything goes to hell, we'll dig ditches. We know how to dig ditches, and we'll do that. <laughs> so, but it really, it, you know, it really is important to have a have a long term perspective because uh, you know real estate equity builds, but it, it builds very slowly. Um, right. And then the other thing is, you know, regardless of how f- high flying the market, remember that uh, you know when things are rough, uh, equity hurts, but debt kills. Right. So if you're doing projects with capital stacks and mezzanine debt and this and that, um, you know, as long as the cycle's working for you, great. But um, I was just reading today in, in the Daily Beat um, newsletter, they talk. You know, I have that newsletter, too. Yeah, I love that one. It, it's, 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 it's really well done. And, uh, you know, they're talking about, you know, people out buying apartment complexes at three and a half caps and, and floating debt. And all of a sudden overnight, their debt is at four and a half. And. Uh, you know, they're they're counting on re- on rents continuing to to climb, but you know, average rents, at least in this marketplace, are like up seventeen percent over year to year. Uh, how much are people going to be able to afford to to pay? So, managing you, debt managing debt is really critical. Yeah, what's your typical deal structure that you shoot for? Oh, you know, we're, we're really, for the most part, self-funded. Um, you know, back in the day, you know, early in my career, we did some friends and family stuff. We outgrew that. Um, we have, of late, uh, done joint ventures with institutional partners uh, for certain projects that have worked uh, really well. We, we've done several deals with Cabot. Uh, we've mm, done yeah. a great deal with uh, Prudential, that, you know, pre-leased... Uh, 500,000 footer here in Phillipsburg, New Jersey. Uh, we're on our second deal with DWS, you know, the, the Deutsche Bank REIT yep. guys. Yep. And have, have really, you know, really uh, added to our quality of life and, and our capacity to do things. Uh, but most of our projects are, are you know, Greg and I, are, or Greg and I and, and the guys here now are investing in projects and, you know, maintain ownership. That's we've, tried to keep it, we've tried to keep it simple. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. Uh, well, are you ready for the birthday edition of the hot seat? 
Sure, yeah. The Hot Seat is sponsored by KK Reset. KK Reset is an HR management and outsourcing consulting firm that specializes in helping organizations to reset their culture, structure, and path. They do this through services which include comprehensive consultation to identify gaps and opportunities for corporate training programs, HR services, and career mapping services. They've collaborated with nonprofits, startups, and academic organizations to protect them from liabilities, reduce turnover, and preserve their brands. They have also collaborated with a number of my clients on the real estate front who are not large enough to have their own in-house HR program. So. They outsource it to KK Reset. KK Reset comes in, maybe sits on site a couple days a week and provides you know everything you need from an HR perspective for your, for your firm. So it's a great uh, resource for those shops who just maybe it doesn't make sense for them to have in-house HR function. Um, so please check them out at kkreset.com. K-K-R-E-S-E-T.com. People can't see us, but we're all wearing birthday hats. Um, what do you want for your birthday? <laughs> oh um well <laughs> so my another I, triple net lease time <laughs> no you know what I, so I, i've got four children the same same wife we've been married 35 years we've got a 31 year old daughter a 29 year old son a 15 year old son and a 13 year old uh, daughter oh, wow. and my 15 year old son uh told me he got me this great gift and uh, but it had to be a surprise, so I started asking him questions, and I ultimately guessed what it was. So mm-hmm. he was he was happy, but but mad at himself. Uh, but it's a it's a whiskey decanter uh, shaped like a like a, a middle finger. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> he's, That's awesome. He's pr- pretty thrilled with that. So that'll have a prominent. Uh, you use that on job but, sites, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We can use both the middle finger and the whiskey. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I really don't need anything. I, I always like a bottle of wine. Nice, man. Yeah. What's your uh, go-to whiskey? What's that? What's your go-to whiskey or bourbon? You know what? I uh, If you've ever heard of Taconic bourbon, uh, they're out of uh, the Hudson Valley in, uh, in New York, and they make some really, really good bourbon. That, that, I'll check it out for sure. Yeah. What uh, do you, do you listen to podcasts? And if so, do you have any recommendations? No, I'm not a podcast guy. I I, I do. Uh, my wife, every, my wife, every once in a while sends me to uh, how I built this with Guy Raz. Guy, yeah, 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 yeah. And that 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 is entertaining. So that's on a good long, one. yeah, long rides. I listen to that. That's a good one. Uh, you spoke about a few mentors. Um, you know, we don't do any of this alone, right? So. Is there any other mentors you'd like to, to highlight or give a shout out to? Well, kind of just in, in life, uh, my mother has been really, really important, um, you know, in terms of keeping me you know, focused and, and uh, she's got a, a very high, high energy motor, which, uh, which I guess I've inherited. So that, that is, you know, she's certainly been a mentor. You know, I see her. She's, on, she's on your website. Yep. Yep. She's, uh, she's still punching. My- my mom was is a was a uh, a residential realtor too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know Ray Bowers. She's the co-founder by default. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Ray Bowers was, was super important. You know, I, I was with him on his deathbed ten years after I met him, um, and he uh, he really shaped my approach to business. 
Bob Stanger, who unfortunately has has passed away, and people might remember the Stanger Report, the Stanger Register. He was the the standard and poor's of the limited partnership business, mm. uh, and he he was really an awesome guy. Um, you know, the, the, those those two are probably the most uh, prominent. But but you know, I've had all you know early in my career, uh, commercial bankers were really really important to shaping my way of thinking, uh, certainly about debt and uh, and risk management, um, and. Uh, you know, just all kinds of guys. I mean, you know, everybody from the engineers to the attorneys. I mean, uh, you know, once upon a time, a long time ago, I was always the youngest guy in the room. I mean, always the young guy. And, yeah. and I, I noticed it and, and took great pleasure in it. And now I look around and, you know, I'm a, I'm a grandfather. So, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm never the youngest guy in the room. But, uh, it, it, you know, I did, I, I was predisposed um you know, my coaches used to remind me that I was coachable, and uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm still coachable. I've got a lot to learn. You know, this is all a work in progress, and uh, so try to learn from everybody something every day. What sports did you play? In uh, high school, uh, wrestling and uh, in football, um, I played a couple years of lacrosse, but then got got hurt my uh, my junior year and my senior year. I didn't play. Because uh, I was going to walk onto the football team in college, uh, went to I was a recruited wrestler at Princeton. Uh, ended up just playing uh, football. Nice, awesome. What uh, last question? What does I guess your building and your construction and real estate? What what impact does that have on communities that you kind of see? I I know it probably depends on the type of project that you're building, be it affordable housing or industrial or an office what impact are you making on compute on communities well like everything else in life it's mixed right it's good and bad um you know using the lehigh valley as an example once upon a time if i came into any town and told them i was going to build an industrial building i was i was heralded as as you know the next great whatever uh all they talked about was jobs 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 um Mm -hmm. Now in those same communities, when you walk in with uh, what, what is called a warehouse, no matter you know if it's a warehouse or not a warehouse, <laughs> it's an a great concern over over traffic, uh, predominantly um, you know in, in in an environment where you're mostly fully employed, uh, you're not focused on on jobs, jobs, jobs. Um, and uh, you know we we have we have really never done controversial projects we've shied away from from those kinds of things and leave, leave them to somebody else uh, we had one pretty um a pretty prominent controversial project but it was controversial in reverse uh in the lehigh valley we, we bought an old spice factory um and this goes back a number of years probably i guess 20 plus years and um Wanted to redevelop it, and a, and a group of, uh, of Lehigh professors decided to oppose the project. Um, <laughs> we ended up with uh, 2,500 signatures from the community in favor of our project. And uh, although it went on a while, it was uh, you know our, our support never wavered. Um, so you know we're not the, we're not the guys who are going to come into town and look to put a, a warehouse where it doesn't belong, or um, you know we. we as a general rule, we're sticking with zoning, and we have, have very, very few um, projects that are 
contentious in any way. It's just kind of a philosophy. So, um, you know, look, we, we, are, we are in the job creation business. Uh, we have, uh, over the years, probably relocated north of 50 for sure, maybe 75 New Jersey and New York companies to Pennsylvania. Um, New Jersey, you know, has always maintained a focus on big major employers and, and they've lost a lot of, you know, smaller companies that grow up to be big companies and great employers. Um, so, you know, I'd say certainly in the Lehigh Valley, we've been responsible for not just a lot of construction jobs, uh, but, uh, but permanent jobs. Nice. Also, one, one, one more last question. What do you, what do you look for when you're hiring someone for your company? Like as far as just like attitude and like, like yeah, how they we, come across. We, we, we are, uh, we're, we're drafting based on character, uh, talent. Yes. But, uh, but character is number one. Um, uh, we're excited. We just hired a woman by the name of Sherry Doyle, uh, from Trammell Crow. Uh, they were shutting down a senior housing department that she ran and, um, she's on board with us now to, to put us in the senior housing business. And we're very excited about that. You know, Amazing. Great, uh, great team player. Uh, you know, early returns are super positive. Uh, but we, we have a history of, of hiring people with no real estate experience. Uh, you know, recent hire uh, fellow was in the, the uh, fundraising business uh, at oh. Del Barton. Actually, we're, uh, oh, cool. you know, and, um, so we're looking for, you know, collegial people that, that, that have a good motor that want to work uh, and are willing to make decisions, um, you know, because too often, uh, you know, everything can't triple back to me and Greg. Uh, people need to make their own decisions. So the sooner they do that, the better. And, you know, we all make mistakes and, and learn from them and move on. Nice. Well, Jim, it's nice to meet you. Thanks for coming on here and sharing your story on uh, and happy birthday. Big five eight. Yeah, five eight. Actually that was that was my number in football five eight. I hadn't even thought of that. Yes. You and Carl Banks. <laughs> you and Carl Banks. Yeah, I was just uh, you know a foot shorter and a lot slower. <laughs> <laughs>